Good morning and welcome. Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. The number here at Patriot, 800 Of course, our number two for me, Welcome Phoenix. Glad to have you on board today. So, so many things to talk about. What a interesting morning it has been. Uh, you know the uh, the the old saying. I probably I probably not going to say it right. I'm not real good at the old sayings, but uh, when you the tangled web you weave when you try to deceive uh couldn't be uh more prevalent than 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 today uh we got all kinds of earnings reports coming out of the retail sector another retailer bites the dust today and uh unfortunately another one getting closer as well not to mention 90% of home sales, existing home sales, was reported today. I'll give it all to you, break it all down for you. This was a prearranged rally day. <clears throat> One of the reasons is, you know, the trade war. They want you to believe that we're going to win. Unfortunately, there's no winning. That's the problem. But they again, this is this is all part of of the the belief that and I don't know why that that they think oh no, they'll do something. I don't think so. Matter of fact, I've been telling you that for years, but but neither here nor there. There was no economic data out today. And so what, what we have a lot of times doesn't happen very often, right? There's usually, you know, well, I guess no economic data out until the home sales, which home sales comes out later, you know, a little later in the morning. So they already had it arranged. This is going to be a rally day. And, and we're going to hit gold, we're going to hit silver, blah, blah, you know, the whole little routine. You know, they got a routine. As the data came out, things started to change. Now, the rally's still there, but for a different reason now. We're not going to win the trade war. <laughs> but now the rally goes, hey, you know what? Maybe the Fed is going to have to cut rates again. It's just a crazy, again. When you try to deceive, it's incredible. So it's very hard to keep track of it all. Uh, I'll start with the retailers. I'll start with the good reports. So I'll do the good reports first, then the bad reports second. On the good side, AutoZone, pretty good. Pretty good numbers. Uh, top and lot, top line, bottom line, uh, same store uh, revenue. Good number, good number. Home Depot thought it was a good number. 
until the conference call. Home Depot lowering guidance today. Why? Something about the housing market. The bad numbers. Kohl's. Wow. That one shocked me. I thought they were doing pretty well. Huge miss. A huge revision, or well, I should say a reduction to guidance. Now, remember, I keep telling you Wall Street's overpriced. All of a sudden now, a couple of good retailers, Home Depot, Kohl's, said, yeah, you know those profit numbers, yeah, nah. And revising them lower. TJ Maxx? Yeah. And they're a good retailer. Uh, they, they 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 beat the numbers, but but it would they had to sell things at a bigger discount than anticipated. Okay, JC Penney's disaster. JC Penney's disaster. Uh, I don't know how much longer they're gonna, you know, and, and they've got enough land. They're like a Sears, right? But but just brutally bad numbers out of Penney's, and then the biggest announcement came out of Dress Barn. And I don't know, we have Dress Barn here, so I don't know about everywhere else. All 650 locations closing. Uh, they, the company that owns them, uh, Asiena Retail Group, right, a hedge fund, right? They're all the same. It's all debt, debt, debt. All of these things were bought during the collapse and no one actually put any money into these things they just bought it with with cheap free money by the way this is the same company that owns ann taylor and loft ann taylor and loft for now staying open dress barn will close all of its locations that now brings uh by the way that uh 650 now brings the number to over 6,000 retail outlets have disappeared. So Dress Barn, uh, if you're a shopper there, get ready. The the going out of business sales are going to get started. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk about existing homes. We have a lot of Fed governors talking. Uh, they're hitting the tape. Uh, the latest one, Rosengren just talked saying that tariffs are going to have significant downside risk. The Chinese president warned you. He piped up today. Trade war on. It's going to be an interesting year, isn't it? We'll be back after the break. We'll talk about home sales when we return. They had Wall Street all set up for the big rally today. Uh, it's still up a hundred, a little over a hundred points. Uh, pretty much all of it Boeing, uh, and like I said, this was going to be a much, much better day. Uh, and then the retail sales, uh, like I said, Kohl's, Pennies, even Home Depot, which is let's face it, the best of the best. Uh, lowered guidance today. Kohl's got got destroyed today. Pennies, I mean, they're they're done anyway, but their their losses were even worse. Uh, Dress Barn said, "That's it, we're done." Closing up all 650 locations. Then existing home sales hit, which I'll get to in just a minute. 
Uh, but they had gold down. They had silver down. I mean, gold was all the way back to the lows of a month ago, all the way back down to twelve sixty seven. Getting ready to break it, right? Getting ready to to, to probably test twelve fifty. Uh, now gold's twelve hundred and seventy four dollars. Uh, after the economic data kind of came out and said, uh, yeah, not so great. Silver, same thing. Silver was headed fourteen and a quarter. Uh, it's turned back around fourteen dollars and forty cents. Uh, why Boeing rallied today? Listen. I, I'm okay with it. I'm going to tell you I'm okay with it. Boeing's a U.S. company. They employ a lot of people here, uh, and and uh, they're going to have to to pay a bunch of money. But here here's what led them higher today. You know, and of course, you know, they're not able to sell these planes. Right? Nobody wants to buy them now until they get their stuff fixed. Uh, China today, another announcement. They're not only are they they've stopped. Told Boeing we don't want we won't even take delivery of any more of the planes. We also want you to pay us for all the planes we already have that we can't fly. So so you would think and that came out to I'm like, you'd think that Boeing would be getting hit, but here's why they're they're rallying today. Crash investigators have indicated right the bad sensors. We know that part. Right, and I think it's uh, uh, pretty pretty certain that is the issue. However, U.S. aviation officials said that the Ethiopian crash, that they said, hey, we think there was a bird strike. Now, I'm not saying that there is a risk. But, but they said that, no, no, we think that, that that's what led to the bad sensor data. Here's the problem. The preliminary crash investigation, which was done before the U.S. Aviation Department got involved, shows that none of the sensors show any evidence of any foreign object damage such as a bird strike. But, hey, we're going with that. Right? Go with bird strike. People like that. Uh, I, again, I don't know. If that's the case, then let that be the case. Uh, but but it appears, anyway, at first blush, uh, we're trying to protect Boeing a little bit and say, well, yeah, the sensor, you know, it didn't work right. We're not saying that it did. That's not what they said. But they said, hey, you know, a bird hit the plane, and that's what made the sensor screw up. So at least that's what the spin is for today that helped Boeing. That's why the, the Dow's up right now about 100 points. Uh, pretty much Boeing's up like five points, which translates to, into, I don't even know, 60, 70 Dow points, something like that. Existing home sales. Now, we had mortgage rates collapse, right? We we know, right? The ten year note. Remember, the ten year was down to what four three nine or four four <laughs> two three nine four three nine. Are you kidding me? Four three nine. Oh my god! So they were expecting existing home sales to jump three percent in April. 
right? April's a big month for homes, right? Spring selling season, things are going to get rolling here. Didn't happen. Matter of fact, sales fell again. Uh, this time they said uh, existing home sales, 90% of the home market. And you know what's funny? I think it goes with what Home Depot said after the earnings came out and they lowered guidance. Hey, there's trouble here. I don't know how much. I will say this. If you're selling your home, give James Morgan a call. You need your realtor right now. This is a a changing market here. Uh, down four-tenths of a percent from March. Existing home sales down 4.4% year over year. Right? So we're... we're we're trudging along about 5 million, 5 million homes. That's it. That's 90% of the market. That's it. In 2000, it was 8 million. 2001, 8 million. Boobier, I don't even know what the boobier were. 15 million, something ridiculous. 5 million. And they're falling. They, they said... Uh, the numbers, how they, they work out the selling price, 267000 The annual year-over-year increase now falling to just 3.6%. Uh, I actually heard uh, Diana Olick, she was uh, the reporter for uh, CNBC. Prices now depends on where you're at. The Northeast now prices are headed lower. They're lower year over year, and it's spreading. This is the slowest annual increase we've seen in existing home sale price. Uh, it got like seven, eight years now. Uh, so a, a big move to the downside. Uh, one of the things noted by the realtors is the people with their homes for sale need to come to grips with the reality and lower the price. Uh, number of homes on market rose. So, again, so we're starting to see inventories climb. Still not, still, don't get me wrong, it's not a ton. The problem is it's not the right kind, right? There's no low-end stuff out there, and it's all, you know, all the million-dollar homes everywhere. 4.2-month supply. Sales were down in the northeast. And the South. Well, watch. I don't know the South. That's the South is the biggest market, followed by the West, and then the Northeast and the Midwest. They don't really count. Uh, no offense, but they they're just so small. Flat in the Midwest, the West, the only one to show a gain, and the gain was just one point eight percent. But here's what was really interesting: first time home buyers. This is a number that historically 40, 45% of all home sales can't get above 32%. I mean, it's been stuck here for pretty much now this whole cycle. So think about the last 8, 10 years. The first-time home buyer, not only is there not that many of them, the age of them rising dramatically. Right? Normally, these are people that were in their 
early, mid, late 20s, early 30s. More and more of these first-time home buyers, late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s, even up to 50s. It's a problem. But here's what was even what I thought was even worse. How many investors are still buying? Investors make up 16% of the whole market. That's huge. That's huge. This is a number that's usually around 8%, 16%. So you think about it. Hey, we sold five, we're selling about 5 million homes a year, but a million of them aren't even real. You know, they're, they're people trying to flip them. I'm going to give all you flippers out there. I'm not saying it can't be done because it can't. Be careful. Be careful flipping these homes right now. This market is definitely starting to change. Uh, and that really stopped everything. And now all of a sudden, uh, you got Federal Reserve chairmen popping off. Uh, we had uh, the Chinese president was out saying, we are in the long march. No trade talks scheduled. China in, as apparently doesn't have much of an interest of holding a trade talk. And then uh, China also doing a little propaganda of their own. So yesterday, we talked about how the president gave that speech. Remember? He did an interview with Fox. He did it, and they said late in the week. So let's just say Friday, maybe Saturday morning. It didn't air till Sunday. And in it, the president, you know, hey, we're winning. And again, remember what? Nobody wins. Nobody's going to win. If we want to make a deal with China, here's what we can do. They'll agree to buy more stuff. I've, I've said it a thousand times. That's, that's about the best we're going to get. And that's not a deal we can live with. But the president was saying, hey, listen, companies are moving out of there. They're getting out. I've even heard the guys on the idiot box try to, oh, yeah, they're moving out in droves. But yet nobody says any names. And, of course, the president said they're moving to Vietnam. Not Vietnam, Indiana. No, not, not Vietnam, Colorado, or Vietnam, Phoenix. No, Vietnam. Or other Asian countries. They're not coming home. China came out today and said they have no idea what the president is talking about. They said foreign investment remains enthusiastic about China, their foreign ministry said today. Following the president's claims that tariffs are causing companies to move production away from the Chinese, they said, uh, no, they're not. Remember now, the big news was Trump says, and, and listen, I think he means it, number one. I'm all for it, number two. It, it is not going to work the way the people that sell debt for a living, your stocks, your bonds, 
your 401ks, your IRAs, your annuities. It's not going to work the way they're telling you. I'm, believe me when I tell you it's not. Right? The president is on record as saying, listen, we're not doing a 50-50 deal. In other words, hey, we get some things, China gets some things. No. This is going to be a U.S. win. He reiterated that in his interview. The Chinese foreign ministry came out today and said, hey, we're not interested. We don't have a problem. Businesses aren't leaving. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not there. No further trade talks are scheduled. And uh, the, the Chinese foreign ministry spokesman, I'll say this. The, the, it was colorful. Liu Kang, that's my Chinese, by the way. Responding to a question on Trump's claim about businesses leaving China. He said, everybody's still bullish on China. Contrary to what the President of the United States may think. I don't know. There you go. That's the latest. Picture Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now, continuing that legacy, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Hoda Mathana is a non-citizen who was raised in the United States by Yemeni parents. At 19 years of age, she left the United States and she joined ISIS. While over there with ISIS, she made propaganda aimed at American young people. Hoda openly called for murder, mayhem, and jihad across our nation. Now she's changed her tune, and she wants to be let back into the United States. While that part of the story is ridiculous enough, the worst part is that this literal ISIS terrorist is actually finding defenders among leftists here in the United States. To President Trump, Hoda's recent remorse is a little too convenient. Trump said, I have instructed Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and he fully agrees, not to allow Hoda Mathana back into the country. The same day, Secretary Pompeo declared that Miss Hoda Mathana is not a U.S. citizen and will not be admitted into the United States. She does not have any legal basis, no valid U.S. passport, no right to a passport, nor any visa to travel to the United States. The left decided to fight on behalf of this terrorist the very best way they knew how with a massive lawsuit against President Trump and Secretary Pompeo. When lawyers pressed their claim before U.S. District Judge Reggie Walton, the leftists brought up a faulty passport that had been revoked from Hoda years ago. Judge Walton said just because she received a U.S. passport doesn't mean she's a U.S. citizen, and he denied her request to expedite her case. While the left tries so very hard to get legal status for an admitted ISIS terrorist, Thousands of Christians are persecuted every year around the globe. Many of these Christians are persecuted by radical Islamic terrorists just like Hoda Mathana. Even as these Christians are left to fend for themselves in the face of intimidation, mutilation, even decapitation, we are debating whether or not to let in terrorists to our country. This is a sad commentary on the state of political discourse. Christians need to do their part to stand up for the persecuted church. 
After all, those innocents will have no voice for them coming from the left. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. As President Trump fulfills his campaign promises, his accomplishments on trade, immigration, the economy, and protecting the unborn should be celebrated, not ignored or diminished. To track these victories, go to phyllisschlafly.com and find out what's next for the Trump presidency at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back, 800-951-0592. I've got a silver special coming up next. Get ready. I want you to get ready. Because I have 60 rolls of the item. I'll tell you what it is coming up. But but be ready. Be ready for it. I want you to be prepared. I want If you want to get some, I want you to be able to do it. It's going to go quick. But before we do, I want to go back to this trade thing. Because none of us know. I believe Wall Street is trying to help us win. And what I mean by that, they're trying to play down the trade war. Listen, I'm telling you, this is not going to go away. Come this time next year with the election, it's going to be a big issue. I'm just going to guarantee you that. Right? China, they're digging in. Did you, I don't know if you saw the Huawei thing, the, the cell phone company thing, the you know the big deal we banned them yesterday. Right? And Google's, Google dropped them. Well, guess what? I hate to say it. But somebody made a phone call and said, Hey, idiot, what are you doing? You can't ban them. All of our stuff is going to stop working. <laughs> I'm not making it up. So this morning, they had to say, Oh, uh, well, we're not banning everything. Just, just this and this and this. In other words... Yeah, we need China a little more than people want to believe. By the way, as soon as they unbanned that, that stuff, Google immediately announced, hey, yesterday's announcement, just kidding. We love Huawei. We're back. Now, yesterday I said, you know the one thing I didn't like about Trump's speech the other day on Fox? He didn't give names. I want names. Wouldn't you feel better if they came out and said, you know, hey, Ford's moving, or uh, uh, Microsoft is moving, or these guys are moving, I, uh, uh, Texas Instruments is moving, right? Give us some names. Who's moving? Now, part of probably why they don't want to do it is because they know, well, they're not moving here, but... China, on the other hand, so their foreign ministry comes out today, says, dude, that's all a bunch of bull. Everybody's all fired up about doing business with us in China. Even though over the past year or more, and this is Liu Kang, the spokesman for the foreign ministry, the United States has continued to menace China's products, and with additional tariffs. 
everyone can see that the enthusiasm for foreign investors in China remains high. China actually gave names. Here's some of here's just a couple of names. Tesla. Right? <laughs> you may have heard of that. By the way, I don't know if you saw it today. Uh, someone, I, I don't know if it was J.P. Morgan or or, Bear, or uh, not Bear Stearns. They're not even in business anymore. B of A. One of them said bear case for Tesla stock could be ten dollars. Just say it. BASF, big defense contractor, big contractor of all sorts. BMW. And by the way, it's just a couple of, of names. All recently increased their investment in China. He added that China would continue to improve business and investment conditions with all foreign companies. And uh, essentially, you know, this is how the, this whole thing is going to go. We're going to come out and say this. They're going to come out and say that. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I I don't think there's any deal anytime soon. Uh, we're going to wait for the elections. And even then, I really, I just don't think there's going to be a deal, election or not. It's irrelevant. China view things very, very differently than we do. And, and uh, we're having a hard time acknowledging that. Listen, I think all U.S. companies, this is my opinion, made a mistake. They didn't understand what was really going to happen. See, we thought China was going to be like all the others. Right? When they got out of line, we were going to punish them. Just like we've done with all the other countries. Remember, you know, when we first started dealing with them, China was, everyone lived on an oxen. They were a third world economy. Nobody envisioned, well, they should have, they didn't. No one envisioned when we wrote these horrible pieces of legislation that this was going to happen that China would be, emerge as a superpower. See all their new aircraft carriers? This had another one floating out there. I mean, five years ago, they didn't have any. Now they got, what, three, four, five of them? I mean, here they come. They're already, they're not the largest economy in dollar terms, but they're the largest economy in terms of stuff. And we thought, well, we'll just control them like everybody else. Right, look, look at, look how we control Mexico. Right, look, look at what we do to like countries we really don't like, like Venezuela. Right, and and they'll 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 learn to play the game. They'll toe the line. And and you know what? We waited too long. Now they're not going to toe the line. I don't think they're ever going to toe the line. 
You know, and Eric used to say it all the time. This is a communist nation. Remember, right? We were going to stamp out communism. And, and now here we are. And it, I, I think this, this is a trade war that could be an economic war that could turn into an actual war. I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. But everything I, I see so far leads me to believe that I'm not. When we get back, we're going to talk about silver. Great article out today about what it is costing to mine an ounce of silver out of the ground and what it's going to mean for silver prices when we return. Nine five one zero five nine two. So this morning I told you they had a you know a little planned deal here, right? No no big economic report and the one that was gonna come out was gonna be existing home sales, which was supposed to be a big winner. Because we had the the big drop in mortgage rates, and they're like, "Yeah, we gotta sell. This is gonna be a good one, right?" They had it, they had it all lined up. They had uh, one of their favorite retailers and in, in, in Home Depot coming out, and and they 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 wanted forget about the trade war stuff, and we're gonna you know come out and do good. And Jay Powell, he talked yesterday and said, you know, we got. You know, corporate debt's too high, and the ratios, the P.E. ratios are too high, but otherwise, you know, nobody's raising rates. And they had whacked gold, they had whacked silver. And, of course, as the data came out, gold and silver kept coming around. Now, silver uh, just went, just just like that, boom, now silver's positive, uh, $14.43. I have U.S. Silver Eagles on sale. You can make up a roll of Silver Eagles for $360. It's an okay deal. But it's so expensive. Right? It works out to $18 to the ounce. It's a lot. And and I sit there, and I always in silver, you know, we have rounds and bars and then government hallmark material. And obviously, you like the government hallmark material because you don't have a question. You know, hey, I'm getting the real McCoy. And a lot of the rounds in the bars, right, if it's the right round or the right bar, like if it's a Johnson Matthew or an Englehart, you know what you're getting. If you buy the rounds from me, you know what you're getting. But when I can get a government hallmarked coin for under $3, I'm going to tell you about it. Today, I have 60 rolls of the Australian kangaroos. Now, Australia does it a little differently. They put 25 ounces 
in their roles. In other words, there's 25 one-ounce Australian kangaroos. But here's here's the part that is the best, and that's the price. It works out to $17 to the ounce. So it's $425 for the roll. But it's $17 to the ounce. I mean, just a little more than $2.50 over spot. Essentially, today, you can buy the kangaroos at, a, at what it would cost me for me to buy the American Silver Eagle. Right, That's about the premium on, on American Silver Eagles today. So you're going to get government hallmarked silver. I mean, if you had, a, you know, Englehart or Johnson Matthew rounds or bars, that's about what those would cost you. So, so you're getting government hallmark material without the premium. I've got 60 rolls. They're Australian kangaroos. Which, I mean, who doesn't like a kangaroo, right? It's a good-looking coin. Uh, each each coin is one ounce, three nine five. I mean, they, they listen. The Australian mint, good mint. I mean, the Canadian mints probably, and the Australian mint are like the two most dynamic mints in the world. The Perth mint, they're just dynamic. So you're going to get a tube. There's 25 or 25 coins or 25 ounces in each tube. They're $425 a piece at 800-951-0592. This morning, well, I guess it was probably late yesterday, SRS Rocco, for those of you that don't know that website, they are one of the best at what they do. They provide a lot of of data on mines and predominantly precious metal mines and they do copper and and ore they do all the mines but they focus a lot on precious metals they had an incredible report out today saying that primary silver miners in other words miners where silver is the primary thing they're mining in other words, hey, I'm not a copper mine that gets some silver in with my copper. I'm a silver miner, right? I, I'm mining it for silver. The best of them now paying $2 an ounce or more to sell their silver. In other words, they're operating at a loss. And, and he goes on to say the price of crude oil is making the losses even more significant. According to the calculations, the top primary silver miners in the group average break-even cost 
$16.54 an ounce. Something's got to give. I think you know where I think it's heading, right? Something's got to eventually break to the upside. We'll talk more about that when we return. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. What does it cost to get silver out of the ground? If you're a primary silver miner, the best of them, the best operator, Pan American Silver. For those of you that that don't know Pan American, nobody produces more silver than them. 25 million ounces out of one place. 25 million ounces. Their first quarter cost was $14.95. Here's the problem. Oil's up 11% since then. Silver price down 10%. Uh, SRS Rocco now estimates that the average cost uh, for the best operator in the world as a primary silver miner will approach $16 to the ounce. The worst operator in the group, Endeavor Silver, uh, Endeavor, in case you don't know who they are, uh, they, they produce about five and a half million ounces annually. Uh, the reason their costs are so high, they had a 26% drop in production. In other words, they're, 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 get, they're lowering production. I think all of these companies now are in a race to lower production. But the, the guys in the group, Pan American, 25 million ounces. Corriere, 13 million. First Majestic, 12 million. Hecla, 11 million. Uh, Fortuna, 9 million. Endeavor, 5.5 million. Great Panther, 2 million ounces. These are huge, huge silver companies. According to SRS Rocco, the only silver miners, in other words, hey, the only ones that say they're making any money on silver is because they, they they have all the cost into, hey, I'm a copper miner. I happen to get some silver and I sell it, but, but it's not what I do. In other words, it's not like they've got 5, 10, 20 million ounces of silver coming out of the ground a year. They don't. And he's now saying that the average cost for an ounce of silver from the world's primary silver miners, if fuel costs stay where they're at, from January to March, fuel averaged $54.82. was crude oil. From April through May 15th, now of course the quarter's not over, $63.28. That'll push their average price per ounce above $17 an ounce. 
And I'm selling these Australian kangaroos at $17. $4.25 a roll, 800-951-0592. Remember, 25 ounces in every one of those rolls. Take care. God bless everybody.